1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring
0: professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey friends, welcome again to the Tennis and Bagels podcast. We have been away for a while, um, but um, there's plenty of reasons why the summer um, people have been traveling just hanging out with friends i myself have been particularly just tired and a little burnt out um from just basically producing content and things like that and just kind of like needed to take a little break i follow tennis just a little bit like more casually for this time around but uh yeah we are still planning on doing a lot of things um so we are still excited about like the things that this podcast can do uh and we have good plans and uh, good attitude going forward to this. Um, and um, another thing that I want to say is that because of this hiatus uh, and my complete like lack of energy, I have to do a public apology to Isabel um, at tennis slut. I think that's her handle. Um, and yeah, we recorded an episode with her. It hasn't come out like in a month. So yeah, it's a uh, uh, yeah. Sorry, well, we are going to upload your episode very, 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 very soon. So um, yeah, uh, and we can't wait to have you back on the podcast again anytime soon. And today I'm here with Funch. We are going to talk about the Wimbledon uh, tournament that happened. Well, just ended this Sunday, right? As recording today is t- Tuesday. And uh, yeah, as you can see, I kind of lost a little bit of practice on how to do this. I'm not as funny, not as sarcastic, not as ironic. But I don't know why it's just coming back. <laughs> From I guess vacation, um, and Vansh is actually coming back from vacation, right? Vansh, like you went to Queens, he uh as in the, the tournament in London, he went to Paris. Of course, Paris uh, Roland Garros already done at this point, but whatever, Paris to Paris, and in to India, and now he's massively jet lagged. So if he says some stats and they are totally wrong, just forgive him for, for this once. His uh, he hasn't slept in uh, a while, so <laughs> how do yeah. you doing,
1: Dude, doing great, you know. It's it's all good, Andre. I mean, we're we'll, we're we're getting it back quickly, and you know, we're uh, we're gonna recap Wimbledon, and we'll we'll get our form back. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been traveling. I went to I went. I did get a chance to go to Queens for a day. It was it was a really good experience. Like I was massively jet lagged as soon as I got to London, and I immediately left the airport, took the nearest train, went underground like basically left my family and I'm like, I'm going for a day. Okay. So I got these <laughs> tickets and I'm like, I just rushed to the Queens club and I got to see like all the second round action. I got to explore the club a little bit, Uh met a couple of people that like followed me on Twitter and they recognized me. It was cool. Like we just hung out, we took pictures. I watched uh, uh, some good matches. I watched Cilic, Demonor, you know, Fukina, you know, some, some good top 50 players and uh, you know, got to watch some practices. Uh just, just hung out, ate at the restaurant, and then just spent a whole day. And then I was back with my family, and then we went to Paris. Uh, you know, saw the Eiffel Tower, all the touristy sites, and then had to go to India for a couple of weeks. So it was a lot of traveling. And here I am. I'm massively jet lagged. I've not slept in like over over 20 hours. But the, this is what this is what we do here, and we, we cover tennis, and tennis never stops. Yeah. Uh, it's always it's always a constant in our lives, no matter how busy we are. So really excited to cover Wimbledon. So, yeah. yeah. Shall we get into it?
0: Yeah. Before that, I actually had a question that I wanted to ask. It just kind of popped in my head. Like, when you went to Queens, have you ever been to a grass tournament before? You said you've been to Wimbledon before, right?
2: Yeah.
1: I actually queued in 2018 mm. uh, for Wimbledon. So I didn't have any tickets. Okay. But um, I got extremely lucky because um, the Soccer World Cup was going on at the same time. Okay. England was in the final. Um. So... Uh, you know, I think Wimbledon and it was a really hot record temperature that weekend. Um, So I managed to, I managed to stand in line for like an hour and just get into the queue. So I have seen um, some grass court tennis up close, but you know, it was kind of Wimbledon second weekend, uh, you know, during the finals. So very different experience from, um, you know, second round, a different kind of grass court in Queens, uh, extremely fast, I'd say, like much faster than Wimbledon, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. Um, and I got to go, I got to be like really close to the players and it was a more like intimate kind of setting Yeah. Uh, and the grounds were, and it still has like a lot of rich history. Queens obviously has been around for like years. Uh, it, has, yeah. it has a pretty big history and the people who do well, they tend to do pretty well at Wimbledon. but it was, a, mm-hmm. it was kind of my first experience, like up close with the players um, seeing grass court tennis in action. Yeah. So it was, it was quite cool to see like how they yeah. move, how they adjust many of the players have just come back from a long crate court season and grind. So you could, you could see like some of them were kind of struggling with their footing and getting yeah. back into it.
0: Yeah. So like in terms of like, because there's a lot of discussion on Twitter and, and whatnot, and um, we mostly just talk about um, speed of the court, but like there's obviously a lot of things that like, matter like when you switch from a court to another but like how different it is like a grass court up close like to see a pro on a grass court than it is like watching a pro on a hard court for example and i know that indian indian wells is is varying like gearing towards like this low <laughs> side of like hard courts but it's still like pretty hom- like homogenous i think that's how you pronounce this word but like um in terms of like speeds like everything is a little bit more similar so like grass courts aren't as fast as they used to be um because of the type of grass but like, there's still like the bounce and like how the ball just kind of like skits through the grass and like how players have to adjust and like you know um yeah. so how how much different is it from a it, hard court it,
1: it is actually quite different it's not so much the speed of the court like you said because um you know surfaces have emerged nice, more or less in terms of court speed and it kind of just did that that also kind of depends on the weather mm. uh, it depends on a few other factors but really what strikes me is how low the ball stays and it's like the low bounce effect, right? Like, and you, you have to like have a really low center of gravity while you're moving on the grass and you got to make sure like when you're changing directions, you're not um, like if you're, if you're sliding and you're not quite making those quick adjustment steps, then it can actually be quite dangerous. I actually saw a couple of players like just slip as they were recovering back to the middle, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of lose their footing a little bit. So you have to be like, you got to have really like quick feet and faster reactions um, and you have to stay extremely low while moving. um And because the ball just like skids. So you have to, you know, I feel like if you have good uh, penetration and like flat ground strokes and it really hit, you can hit, really hit through the court, uh whether it be with your serve or like with angles and stuff like that, that could be extremely effective. And of course, I saw many players hitting a lot of slices, you know, coming to the net, working on their transition game, really fine tuning those aspects of grass that maybe on a uh, on clay they wouldn't need as much because you can more you know outlast your opponent or you can overpower them from the baseline whereas here it's a lot more i guess you have to be a lot more strategic how you construct the points um because you know on average the rally length is a little bit less but also it's uh you know you still have long lengthy baseline rallies but you got to sort of change the tempo of it and you got to
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know rely on your serve a bit more and so it was interesting to see players uh having to adjust So it's very, and I'd say it's closer to a hard court than it is a clay court, just in terms of your speed and uh, kind of the way you have to play. Uh, It's more similar to an indoor court, actually, Mm -hmm. uh, where you get like this like low bouncing effect. So that was, uh, you know, that was, that was cool to see.
0: Yeah. Nice. And now on to Wimbledon. I think this is just like an interesting question, just because we always question a little bit like the importance like of grass court and like, is, should there be more, should there be no more grass courts and things like that? So I just, I just thought it was an interesting idea. Cause I can never really, I've never been near to like an actual grass court. So I have no idea. I just kind of seeing from TV, it, it really is different from seeing it live. So yeah.
1: yeah. Every time I think of the grass, by the way, I think of like classical, like lawn tennis, like uh, you know, for me like Wimbledon is such a special tournament. Yeah. Just because um like you see how much it really means to the players. Yeah. For example, like this year, you know, there were no ranking points. And you know, but still, you know, you felt like okay, the tours, you know, taking away ranking points, like them kind of showing that showing their power. Mm-hmm. Uh being like, you know, okay, Wimbledon, you know, if you're gonna unilaterally take a decision or you're gonna take a decision that affects our players, you know, we're gonna show our power and we're gonna strip ranking points. And we'll see like uh, you know there was talks about like if players are going to skip the grass court season and they're going to do that but reality apart from the players that were banned i think everyone really wanted to play wimbledon yeah this year just because you know the prestige of the tournament there's still prize money there's still a lot at stake so it just kind of reaffirmed in my mind that you know this part of the season is kind of really special even though it's niche and it's uh, it's a novelty kind of surface nowadays just because the only play for it play on it for what like four or five weeks five weeks max uh, you know, at least now you have an extra week in between Bowling Garros and Wimbledon, so it's you at least have three weeks and then you have the two week Wimbledon. but uh you know i I do wish we saw a little bit more of it because it's uh you know it's it's a nice change up to have, especially i think um with the plan moving forward, I think he's gonna we're gonna really try to push for a master's one thousand finally on grass. So I think that should, that'll make it really interesting, and you'll see you'll see players um you know prioritize yeah. it even more so.
0: Yeah, that'd be cool. And yeah, like definitely like when you saw Wimbledon and like the players who are playing on it, like um, Sasha <coughs> so Burrow, like Djokovic, Nadal decided to play. And obviously like it, it definitely shows that like, um, of course, like for them in terms of like um, even money, I don't necessarily think like a player like Nadal or Djokovic are necessarily like going after this all that much. And nowadays, like in their careers, like the, they're did to know it's always good money but like still like they make money on other things and but ranking points is like yeah. for a
1: player like Nadal it's more more about the slam race and the, yeah it's, it's um, all it's all about like slam. the
0: competition yeah the,
1: and um, yeah. yeah the hunger to compete and you know a mm. lot of other factors but if you're yeah. a player sort of in that 75 to 150 really yeah. want to and you're qualified yeah uh, you know your goal would be to qualify and then you know collect the first round prize money or <laughs> second round prize money because it's a lot it can sustain you for the whole year yeah more exactly than, more than winning challengers can and absolutely
0: no, yeah winning challengers is uh is a way to boost your morale i would say like it's a it's really good like when a player like starts getting on the streak on challenges because they because they start thinking i can definitely win like bigger now so but in terms of like actual like long-term money-wise financial like scheduling definitely the grand slams are like very important and wimbledon didn't cease to be a grand slam without even with all the the stuff that happened this year. Yeah. Um. It is sad, I will say, that uh, Russians were not able to play. Um, but I think that a lot of the field was still pretty strong and players really didn't yeah. come out to win it. So even Kyrios, like for crying out loud, like did like him to the final. And speaking of that final, like, what do you think of it? Like, I was actually, <laughs> I could see Djokovic losing to Kyrios. I definitely thought saw, saw that, that that could be a possibility, but I, I, I didn't really think that was going to happen, but I thought that um, Kyrios had a smaller chance. It's not like I was saying like, oh, it's definitely not going to happen. But like I definitely saw, thought that Djokovic needs to actually play his game and not be intimidated. Well, not that Djokovic would ever be that intimidated by Kyrios, but like he, he can't really let his guard down. I would say.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, you know, obviously throughout this tournament and he did this lot at the U S open last year, he's kind of made that made it a thing now to drop the opening set and <laughs> then come back and just, you know, lock in and go in lockdown mode and just limit his unforced errors and just play extremely solid and, you know, play Djokovic vintage type tennis. And, uh, you know, against Nick, like it was, it was very interesting because coming into the match you know, all the talk was like, how is he going to handle his first grand slam final, you know, obviously he's two. He was two and zero against Djokovic, but those matches, you know, needed a lot of context. They were over five, yeah. five and a half years ago. Djokovic was struggling with his elbow at the time. He had just lost to Istomin at the Australian Open, um, and then he, you know, he went on to went on and had a, you know, not a great season by his standards. And then he had to retire from Wimbledon with an elbow problem, and then he missed the rest of the year. So it was not vintage Djokovic by any means, but you could certainly see that Kyrgios has a lot of tools uh, that can trouble Djokovic, especially on his serve. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't broken in any of those matches in 2017, and obviously he can, you know, he's he's extremely talented. He has soft hands. He's um, he has good firepower from the baseline. He can win a lot of cheap points on his serve. He can even hang with Djokovic a little bit backhand to backhand, which um, which is something that you know I thought might be tough for Djokovic to handle in early stages, and I, I proved to be correct on that because actually Kyrgios' backhand is extremely flat and low, yeah, and it really skids on the grass. So Djokovic is forced to do a little bit more with it, like create his own pace with it, or maybe go to his backhand slice, which by the way he did really well in the final. Yeah. It just took him a while to figure it out. And he had a great day on the drop shots as well. Had had such good feel on that shot. Yeah. But um, I was I was quite impressed with the way actually Kyrgios was hanging with Djokovic at the baseline rallies, and he was uh, you know, actually moving quite well on the court. And you know, even some of the lengthier rallies, he was and then obviously he has the serve, so he's served like seven or eight aces at the first set. Um, you know, he, he made Djokovic actually go big on a second serve and he double faulted and, you know, uh, you know, so Nick really, I think came out strong and he played quite a tactically good first set. Um, just looking at the tennis and he was quite focused and, you know, he, you know, none of the antics and the stuff that we saw before, but mm-hmm. then, but then you could really see, uh, that it doesn't matter when you're, if you play like a God for 30 minutes, because it's just not enough at some point, your level is going to drop, yeah. you're going to start to feel the pressure. So I really felt like Novak, he started reading the Kyrios serve much, much better in stages of the second set, started getting a lot more depth on his returns, started forcing Kyrios to press and go for lines and, uh, you know, implode a little bit. And he started, you know, chattering away with his box and he started losing his focus a bit. The key game, I thought, was in the second set. Um, once Djokovic broke for and held for 4-1, he then served for the set at 5-3 and he was down left 40. Yeah. And one thing that he did, one thing that I thought tactically he did really well was he recognized, obviously, that Kyrgios's backhand return is a lot stronger than his forehand return. So if you jam him or you go body or you go, uh, you make him hit forehand returns that he's not very comfortable with, either stretched out wide or just even right in a strike zone, to be honest, he would miss a lot of them. Yeah. So like Djokovic was able to get back from left 40, just boom, boom, two forehand, two first serves right, right to the Kyrgios' forehand and he missed both of them. And then, they had this long rally and Kyrios got tight and he missed a shot in the net, and then it was Deuce and then, you know, and then he just kind of ran away with the with the game. He had a he hit a superb drop shot in that game, which really helped because Kyrios was trying to go backhand to backhand and get that pattern that he really likes. Yep. Um, yeah. Plus
0: the the drop shot like on Kyrios is very effective because uh, Kyrios uh, isn't isn't extremely fast. Like
1: he's not. Uh, yeah. Like he has he has great hands and he's yeah. he, he can be athletic and he has. He has good he has good yeah. speed, but he's not the most uh, yeah. you know, physically. A lot of the
0: times he wasn't even trying like oh. uh, to reach the drop shot because he just knew he was not gonna get it. So, it's good yeah. for Djokovic because he already is, like he can he can play drop shots that are so good against like players like Nadal or Murray who was like who are very very fast. So like he, uh-huh. he can play like drop shots that are like half as good and still win the point against the curios. So yeah. yeah.
1: I, I I felt like he executed it really well, though. Yeah. And his, his touch was very good. He got them really close to the net. He got yeah. some backspin on them. He was really... Because um, actually, Kyrgios was about to get there, but then it just skid away from him, and he just <laughs> couldn't find the angle. And it was just... You know, even Kyrgios was like, that's just too good. And, yeah. and, and then, you know, I think he, uh, they had another kind of lengthy rally, and then Djokovic was really starting to get the uh, tempo from the baseline going, and he was... I mean, anytime I felt like he was behind the baseline, he was doing a lot more damage than Nick was. Yeah. Nick did not want to be behind the baseline defending, whereas I felt mm-hmm. like Djokovic could still, you know, generate quite a bit, especially on his backhand and even his forehand inside in and inside out. He was really uh, able to pin Nick mm-hmm. back and win those points. And I, I just felt like he was the calmer, more composed player throughout. He's been in this situation so many times. Yeah. This was thirty-second major final, yeah. and I, you know I have to say there was a lot at stake for Djokovic here because you know, obviously he's not going to get vaccinated. Um, And as it looks stands right now, he's not going to be able to play the U S open. Australian open is also in question. And he missed the Australian open already this year with everything that happened. So for him winning and Nadal is too ahead in the slam race. So for him, winning Wimbledon was extremely key. And there was a lot of pressure on him right from the, right from the get-go, because also the Nadal withdrawal, I don't think helped him because now everyone's like more expecting him to win. Yeah. And uh,
0: I thought about that too. I was like, if, nadal like withdrawing there's two uh, two factor on this like one like djokovic is going to feel the pressure immediately uh-huh. on his quarter on the semi-final match to win exactly. that one to get to the final so he's like he could run the risk of like thinking too far ahead uh-huh. and and the second thing was like curios definitely benefits from not playing nadal for one because well he doesn't play nadal and for two because he gets <laughs> he gets a little bit more rest and and curios needed it because it's like he's not the fittest player on tour. Like he needs in, he, unfortunately he could sort of like break down a little bit more, but like having that extra day, I think allowed him to compete the way that he did in the final. Um, So, yeah. yeah.
1: It was interesting actually, because someone brought that up to him after the match in the press conference. And he said, you know, on the one hand, obviously it was good for him because physically, you know, he's not the most durable and, you know, who knows what would have happened if he had a long tussle with Nadal and you know, and then you will have to come back the next day. But then on the other hand, he's, he said, like, I kept thinking about it so much. So, like, <laughs> I didn't sleep well at night. And I just yeah. kept thinking and thinking and overthinking. And, uh, you, you know, you could see, like, in the, you know, in the big moments, he, he tends to always have, like, an outlet to release his pressure. Because every, mm. time, every time he's feeling the pressure, you know, he, you know, unfortunately, it creates, like, sort of an environment that's not very pleasant to watch. So he'll yeah. go after, you know, umpires or linesmen and for doing their job. And, you know, he, you know, he'll go about it in a sort of really over the top way. And, you know, it would it would cost him, it would lose him a lot of focus. Yeah. And he did, he did do some of that here, but I thought a lot of it was directed at his box. Um, and, you know, he was telling them, you know, please get up after every point, And, you know, and it was, you know, like as if they weren't already doing that because they were pretty, basically getting up after every single point and, you know, applauding him and, yeah, and it was like, it's a 40, you know, do something and say something. And, you know, it, it was just, it was clearly just, a, you know, a way to direct the pressure. And it was yeah. just needed an outlet.
0: And he, he did get fined, right? Like in, in this in this tournament, yeah. I think. So,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, he tends to get fined with, uh, you know, other opportunities and, you know, yeah. you, you know, a lot, a lot of other worst things, but actually for his standards, um, I thought actually he, he controlled himself just enough yeah. to work. He was able to reel it back in, Um, and and actually, in the third set, uh, if we move along, he had he first he saved two break points in the first game. Uh, Really good shot making. Uh, Not much Djokovic could do there. But then he had then he was up four. It was four all forty love. And this is this is the most important game of the match right now because third set right. Yeah, four all forty love. Third set. Kyrgios serving. It looks like it's going to be a really easy hold, and Djokovic is going to be the one serving to stay in the set. Instead, he uh, he gets a little bit lackluster with his shot selection. You know, hits a decent approach, but then doesn't do enough with the volley. It's a little bit kind of semi casual. Gives Djokovic the angle. Uh, Djokovic pounces, plays a great shot, and then uh, you know, then I think Kyrgios hits another approach, makes Djokovic makes him hit a really tough volley, and then Djokovic gets a lot of depth on the next return, and the next thing you know, it's a Deuce within like a, you know two or three minutes. And this is where you see, like, you see the genius of Djokovic because he he manages to play every single point with such clarity and like such uh, you know such focus to where like you know each point is the same and he's not going to let you out of a forty love hold. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it was a bit Nadal like actually because sometimes Djokovic can sort of go through these phases where you know he he peaks at certain moments and then you know he'll sort of like strategically let a certain game go but he didn't do that here. He knew he had to be right on it and he got back in the game really quickly, and then, you know, then he, then I think Nick felt the pressure, so then he double-faulted a deuce, and
3: yeah. then he
1: just went for a really bad shot, like, just off a of backhand, like a neutral ball, it was short, he could have come in on it, he could have done so much on it, but he just, he 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 got a bit impatient, and he got frustrated, and he just slapped the backhand in the net, um, and he had a, he had a good shot of doing something in that point, but then Djokovic breaks and then he holds and you know that's the set and it's like such small margins but yeah. you see it in that moment you know what uh what separates both of them because it's it was actually very little yeah but then yeah
0: it's a, it's interesting because that it's like I have like a two fold comment here like one it's um it's really cool that uh Kyrgios is was able to like hold himself together because like we, you, we know that curios has good hands he he yeah. a curios that is able to play tennis and not like rely on just make a show with like his yeah or his circus controversy yeah his circus with like uh, antics are not like his antics aren't like monfis like which which is like a, a different circus it was like a good circus like curious is like a an edgy circus which is like it's and it's cool sometimes like it makes like some good content like for instagram and whatnot but like long term it's like it's not really the most sustainable and it's not really exactly like a good behavior in general. Like no, it's so, yeah, and, yeah. and
1: actually you you really start to feel bad for the umpires and uh, yeah, and exactly. And
0: like it's people, it,
1: because, you know, he'll start start going after them for their age and you know, stuff like, oh, you know, you're you know, get them out of here, he's ninety, you know. Yeah, and it, it's like he has no um
0: it's borderline disrespectful. That that's the thing. It's uh it, it could be, yeah. yeah but yeah.
1: But yeah, yeah it, that's where I, you know, just feel like you know, it's, it starts to get a little
0: bit bad, but yeah. And the other thing is how sad, how sad it is that um, at the moment that which is a, a grand slam final, a moment in which like, it could be like people actually like believing that he could be something and could like, Oh, now he's going to get himself together. now he's like flung, flung into a different controversy off the court and on a different court. And uh, yeah, that's, it's it's only it's it's never been easy with curious as a.
1: <laughs> no, it's not, and obviously, um, you know, I, I think it's just a mere coincidence, also, that it, it happened at this point. Because, I mean, when you file charges and you're you're a yeah. ex girlfriend, like you don't know when, you know, you don't exactly. know the timing or like when when it's going to be actually be released and when the court date is just going to be. And we just found out just before his quarterfinal match, I think. That he's going to be summoned to court for August second on August second because his ex girlfriend Chiara Pissara, I think, is her name. Uh, there was like a, this whole thing that you know on Instagram, like there were all these posts of her, her basically accusing Nick of like uh, emotional and physical and verbal abuse, and like there were all all these text messages and there was pictures of him like cheating and you know that I think there was an incident in Adelaide where they were uh, the police were called and they were they were forced to separate the two because it got really bad Um, and then yeah he was in you know they were both kind of in a dark place and you know it seemed like a very toxic relationship but it seemed like you know there was some credible enough evidence for her to file charges and uh, you know it's just it's another case now in the ATP of uh, domestic abuse and it just seems like it's a growing trend and unfortunately you know based on Nick's track record the past eight years and you know, the violent behavior that he's shown on the court. And just, you know, you can, you can see some of the things that he does towards his opponents and the linesmen and all these other things that we know about him. It's just, uh, it's just not a great feeling like just going in, you know, you can see why a lot of people would not want to, would not want to have anything to do with him, even though his tennis, you know, when he's, when it's on and when he's playing really well, it can be electric and exciting to watch, but it can also turn a lot of people away. So I yeah. think that's uh that's the polarizing effect that Nick has, but um yeah, uh, but I guess you you just have to be able to separate that from the tennis at hand, and that's extremely difficult for a lot of fans to do, including myself at times, yeah, for sure, yeah, that's why you know that's why it can be uncomfortable actually covering some of these characters on the a t p because of yeah. because of this reason, and I totally would understand if like someone didn't want to watch the men's final, for example, for that reason yeah
0: absolutely and even Djokovic himself has has some like his issues um with the vaccines as you as you pointed out so like yeah it's
1: and then of course you know there's the whole bromance stuff like before the match and on on Instagram stories and obviously these two have a history with you know Nick going after Novak for many years of like just going after him like constantly and Novak like not having anything to do with it and then obviously there was that Nick being the contrarian that he is, he's he supported Novak during the whole vaccination saga, yeah. and during that whole incident. And so, and Novak obviously, you know, he felt like, okay, you know, I, I can respect this guy more now, which, you know, again, I personally I'm like, if that guy had said like half, even one third of the things he said to you, you know, I wouldn't forgive him, but that's just me, you know. But, yeah. but maybe it was just like a tactic as well to like get it in his head and then just like win based on tennis alone. And I. I feel like Novak, uh, Novak did that, and then you know after the match, yeah, it, it was it was a lot, but whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, <Well>, Tens is <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What about what about Nadal? Like, I feel like Nadal has a <clears throat> well. First of all, super bad luck. To... Just
1: um, just going back to the match again. Yeah, for go a second, on. You know, as well. Um, in the fourth set, you know, Nick got it back together, and they were both serving extremely well. Yeah. So it got you know it became a close close contacts just on the basis of both of them serving extremely well uh, you know Djokovic uh, barely lost any points before the tie break and he's become such a good spot server now to where it's almost Federer-esque the way he can find the yeah. uh, corners on with the same ball toss and it's not a very fast serve it's maybe around 105 to 115 but he's able to get quick points and with the same toss and you you just can't read it and um and that's something both the players had. So because of that, you know, it was always going to come down to like end of sets and fine margins. And then there was one point again at five, six, 30 all Djokovic serving. And what does he do? He goes again to the Kyrgios forehand and Kyrgios misses the return wide and shanks it. And yeah. then Djokovic gets out of that game. And then he wins two points, I think on Nick's serve in the tie break. And then the tiebreak was honestly very comfortable. It was just Djokovic going in lockdown mode and just refusing to miss. Just yeah. made it one four star in total in the tiebreak, Like, we've seen him do so many times.
2: Yeah,
1: He was able to close Nick out comfortably. But, you know, I thought it was a good, like, respectable, you know, match. Nick certainly showed that he belonged there. So that's, uh, you know, just based on his mm-hmm. tennis long, He had 30 aces. He, you know, made Novak uncomfortable for about a set and a half. And... Uh, I guess it was more competitive than yeah. the and the Baratini final, for example, last year, where you if you felt like you know, you get it you got into Beratini's back end, you were more or less uh, safe if you're Djokovic. But here I feel like uh Djokovic uh, was pushed a little bit more, but n- nonetheless I don't I never really felt like um after the second set the match was ever really in doubt. Yeah. Um, you know, I still true. felt like Djokovic was gonna come through and he did. Mm-hmm. And, um yeah, yeah, he played he played very well in the last three
2: sets. <laughs>
0: yeah and i know i was mentioning that before but i actually want to switch around like let's do it let's go to the the next gen or like the the players were younger and up and coming i was actually really um happy to see uh yannick sinner and taylor fritz doing as well as they did um and also brendan nakashima who who took Nick to um to five sets and he beat chapovalov like pretty comfortably he was playing like a veteran a lot of the time like in yeah, didn't really seem to leave a lot of the, his nerves that like, get to him. You could see, like against like in the at the end of the match, I think the fifth set was a little bit more straightforward. I feel like Nakashima kind of felt a little bit more pressure. Yeah, but it's it's kind of like really encouraging signs. Yannick Sinner, I think it was two sets to love up right on on Djokovic.
1: Yeah, for me, Sinner impressed me the most yeah. because uh, coming into this tournament, he had not won a match on grass, yeah. and that was the big story coming in. And then he had that first round match; he had a, played against Stan Wawrinka, so that was an exciting first round match. It was four sets. Sinner comes through there, and then he beats Ymer e- in four sets, and then he sets up the match against Isner, uh, which, which uh, that that match also impressed me a lot because it was straight sets, uh, just you know, two sets that Sinner won with a break. Uh, he handled the sinner serve extremely well. Uh, he handled the Isner serve extremely well, which is, uh, you know, not easy. He's a great returner Sinner, uh, and he moves extremely well, and he's one of the few players who can slide on grass. Uh, so he has really good balance and footwork, and he's able to, you know, change directions very quickly, and he has that sort of jokovician like, offensive defense where you can like backhand open stance passing shots
0: which by the way was 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 the reason why Djokovic (laughs) couldn't really get into the match earlier because Sinner was just pretty much peaking he was playing so well
1: yeah because Sinner it was almost like Djokovic was playing a version of himself Mm -hmm. but he wasn't at his best and Sinner took advantage and it was like uh, it was really impressive and then obviously you have the Alcaraz match where I thought that was for me that was the best match of Sinner's career so far like the way he played in that match, the way he returned Alcaraz's serve, the way he um, beat Alcaraz backhand to backhand, the way he was able to generate off of Alcaraz's slice, the way he was coming in. And he's not very comfortable coming in. Uh, you know, that's one part of his game that he can improve, the net game, the volleys. Um, maybe just a little bit more variety and a little bit more, it's sort of a little bit more of a one-way game right now, but he still has, uh, and obviously he can get better on the miles per hour on the serve, but he was really hitting his spots this tournament. So I think mm-hmm. that really helped him because he was finding the corners or he was hitting the t serve really well he didn't get broken at all against carlos alcaraz which is not easy to wow, do Wow,
0: that's impressive yeah he never
1: lost a serve and he saved all seven break points that he faced um and then alcaraz mounted this insane comeback in the third set tiebreak and that was one of the best tie that was one of the best parts of the tournament actually that third set tiebreak between alcaraz and sinner it was really high quality and alcaraz um showed his fight and he won that third set and then uh but sinner went right back to work and he was just a better player the whole time yeah
0: so I was really yeah. And that that is a, a comment sure. that Owen made on Twitter. Like Owen isn't here, but we're we're gonna summon uh yeah. summon him his uh his uh insight. So uh-huh. he he mentioned that um Akaraz has been not really playing all of his best tennis in Grand Slams. Mm-hmm. Um that is and, a
1: pattern lately, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. And yeah, definitely like I wasn't really expecting Akaraz to be amazing at Wimbledon for a bunch of reasons, like it's obvious that uh, grass courts that are a bit harder to adapt to it's in, in all in all it's pretty good signs that like he actually did so well this year in terms of like uh, playing so well against Sinner, like never giving up. Like he, he did well mentally and emotionally. I think he did. He proved yeah. that he, his mentality to win is very big and he can find a way. So um, I guess we can keep saying the same thing, watch out for Akras in the future maybe cast a bit of doubt like on whether he can actually win a grand slam this year i think you said that he was not going to win a grand slam this year right you said like by next year but not this year right
1: yeah i just felt like this year um like in in best of five sets i mean we had the match against berrettini where he didn't play very well for the first two sets and then we had the uh, match against Vera where he didn't play well in the first two sets at the french open and so it's just like having to come back from that every single time is just it's just kind of difficult and he he still has like a few you know, few things missing like physically, right now like you know I think he can get more out of a serve. His he's not uh, not the best spot server yet. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously I think he came into this tournament actually with some doubt because um, he was he pulled out of Queens with an elbow injury. Yeah, it's true. He lost both of his matches in the exhibition, which doesn't really mean much. But he was still it was kind of like Wimbledon was a bit sort of touch and go for him with the elbow. Um and the long season that he's had so far. So then and then plus he had only played two matches in his life on grass before this. I mean, I guess Sinner as well. This was only his second Wimbledon, but he had played a warm up before this. He had played uh, some challengers and he played qualities before. And so you kind of felt like Sinner was better adapted and he yes. was uh, is readier for it. Yeah. Yeah, than than Alcaraz, who's still only 19, and this is only his like seventh main draw total in a major. Yeah. So I felt like it's still a little bit, it's still a tad bit raw for him right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if he made a really deep run at the U.S. Open. Yeah. yeah. Particularly also with Djokovic most likely not playing and we don't know about Nadal's health. Yeah. So really it comes down to him and Medvedev and just a few other contenders and, you know, he's right in there. Yeah, so, for sure. And and then, you know, he obviously hard courts, he's done extremely well on, uh, he won Miami this year. So I, I feel like it could happen for him this year, but more likely next year for him. More likely mm-hmm. in the next year or two, I think he will see him with a major. Yeah,
0: I have a feeling that he's going to have another crushing defeat in a major, like a like a big semifinal that he loses, or even a final. I think he might he might do like a Medvedev and Essence or Dominic team, like probably win a Grand Slam earlier than those two. Yeah. But yeah, but at, a,
1: but at a much younger age, so he'll have yeah. yeah yeah he'll have already experienced those tough losses before, and he'll be. Yeah. Uh, he'll be ready to go. Yeah. Like it's actually that's going to be kind of another factor in sort of this Grand Slam race is just how quickly Sinner and Alcaraz improve. Yeah. Because like you know eventually you know they're going to get the better of these old guys. Yeah. Just by virtue of time and by because uh, you feel like the serve is going to get be- better. Yeah, for sure. Everything is going to get better in his in his game, and you already saw the improvement that he made from this off season to the start of this year. So I feel yeah, like totally. I feel like I'm not too worried about Al- about Alcaraz and. He also still has that ability to just find something extra special when he's down, which is something that, you know, the all-time greats have. So I I see that in him as well. Like, for example, in the first round, he was down two sets to one, and he was down two love in the fourth set tiebreak against Struf, Mm -hmm. who's quite an experienced player and very dangerous first-round opponent. But then he just found some magic, like, in in the tiebreak, and he just pulled off this, like, stunning flick backhand running passing shot, and then he got the crowd involved, and then he won He won some free points on his serve, and then he hits some gorgeous passing shots. So he he has that ability to, to find his best tennis in those uh, moments when he when he's down. And it may not always be enough to win the match, like against Sinner, it wasn't enough. But you know that extra gear is still there. So I feel like he he can tap into that.
0: Um, yeah,
2: which
1: is still quite good. That's it yeah. to have that at this age.
0: Yeah, for sure. So yeah, like <laughs> it, 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 it's looking a little, it's looking good in terms of like. Those those guys are definitely like making good progress. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. super hard to go up against. Like, very bad luck from Fritz that he himself was uh, slightly injured as well against Nadal, so he couldn't really yeah. take that much advantage of like Nadal's injury.
1: Yeah, at times but his yeah. I mean his leg uh, he he didn't seem he seemed a little bit slower to me, especially in the fifth set. Uh, yeah. But I think what undid what un uh, what I learned about both Sinner and. Uh, Fritz is that they're really good ball strikers and they can hang with Nadal and Djokovic from the back. Oh, yeah. like, if totally. it's just if it's just like a cross court like exchange or if it's just, you know, forehand to forehand or I guess, you know, the Nadal forehand to Fritz's backhand cross court. Like he can handle that. Yeah, really well, and he can go toe to toe with these guys. It's just those extra tools that these guys have. Like I'm talking about the Nadal slice, yeah, his yeah. net
0: game, his. It's just like the tactics, movement. like the smallest little things that you can switch around. So just yeah. so you can try things out, like see if you can like throw off the rhythm or, like yeah. you know, just make the opponent work in a different way that either they're not used to or they don't like to. Yeah. Um, like so the example,
1: yeah, Fritz is still a little bit uncomfortable handling the handling the slice. I think he prefers yeah. the the ball like if you think about indian wells like that's where he's had his best results and that's where like the ball just bounces up right in the strike zone and he's able to just tee off on it and just hit crush the ball and hit winners but on grass he has to you know get down a little bit more low like play those slices like yeah. you know come to the net and he's still not he's still not comfortable in that he'd rather just retreat back or just you yeah. uh, know you know win from the baseline and so he goes yeah to there yeah and would they he get a
0: good back get, good head forehand head. yeah
1: Yeah, I wasn't quite able to take advantage, even though Nadal was serving at maybe 9,500 miles per hour. His serve speeds were way down. So that's where you could tell the abdominal, I feel like, was was really bothering him, was on the serve. Because actually, from the back of the court, he played played all right. Like, he was was still hitting commanding forehands. He was still, you know, fighting like Nadal always does. But uh, at some point, I did also feel like, uh, you know how we always, like, sort of praise the fighting spirit of Nadal and these guys and, like, how they never do well and how they finish matches and they don't retire yeah um i did kind of feel a bit in that moment like is he overdoing it because at one point um you know uh nadal's dad and his sister were like telling him to stop and that was in the second set Mm -hmm. and when things were like not looking good at all for him but you know he still decided to continue and like credit to him because he found a way and he won the match and he did what he had to do and you know i saw some people saying on twitter oh he should have retired you know you know midway through the match and then you had other people saying like oh he's faking this injury you know how is he running like this and how is he doing this when you know it's really hard to diagnose that in the middle of the match and you're just trying to get through it somehow and then yeah you know evaluate after the match is over and i think you know i guess good for him that he like made that decision to pull out because that couldn't have been easy he's obviously going for
0: the yeah for the grand slam Yeah, right. I guess it. Yeah, in, in a sense, like it's all it's all going through a mind of a person like this, right? Like you in right. the middle of the match, you suffer an injury, <laughs> you you feel like you can still go, like you you're obviously running a bit on an adrenaline, and it's like and painkillers and, and painkillers also- exactly. So it's like if you're in <clears throat> doubt at that moment, you're like, I'm in the quarterfinals. Taylor Fritz is a player I can beat, and then yeah. you have Nick Kyrgios who I can beat, and then we have Djokovic, who maybe if I'm at my best, I could maybe have a shot at this. Like you know, like it, it's. Yeah. Um. And you you do this, and he's probably like not Nadal doesn't have like another five years in himself, like for sure. Like you no. he do best. So, um, it's definitely understandable that he made that decision. The one thing that is it's never that commendable is that like for for normal people like us, so like <laughs> you know, like it's if you feel like your body is actually like hurting and you don't need to push it, don't push it. Like. Listen yeah. to your body, <laughs> commoners. Like if you're not Rafael Nadal, like it, on a tennis court, like it's definitely like that gray area in which you like you have to be really careful with those things. But yeah, like yeah. it's it, life isn't an anime in which you can just kind of <laughs> push through like a broken arm and like still like throw up on That that's this is not exactly like how life works. But you know,
1: at the end of the day, your health is more important than yeah. you know winning. yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, winning a match at the sake of like destroying your body and never being able to play yeah. again because, yeah, yeah.
0: Like, which leads for, us to uh yeah go on
1: for for nadal overall though i feel like he got the most out of this tournament because he for sure obviously he struggled in, in the early rounds which was expected because he hadn't played on grass in three years and uh you know he generally does struggle in the first week of wimbledon usually hmm. and and then he somehow got through the fritz match and then he finds out he has a seven millimeter abdominal tear so now Uh, you you know, so what looked like, you know, three weeks ago that he may not even play Wimbledon and then he had to get the foot uh, radio frequency ablation. At least it looked like, you know, that wasn't really an issue for him and he could move okay and the pain was numbed and all of that in the foot. And then sort of midway through the tournament, he has to deal with this. At the same time, you know, it still feels a little bit different to me than Novak last year because obviously Novak last year was in this position, but like when he won the French Open, he's like, I can actually do this. Like I can actually win. But mm-hmm. I didn't feel like that about Nadal because obviously, you know, Nadal's not the favorite at Wimbledon. Djokovic is. So, yeah. So it it still felt, it, you still feel like, you know, he'll rest and maybe five, six weeks and then he'll, he'll try and, and he has a good shot at the U.S. Open, which he's won four times. And so. Yeah. You know, I think but it's that,
0: like it, for Nadal, it feels like more of a, of a match to match by match basis. It's like yeah. it, for Djokovic, you definitely could see like, oh, he could do this, like. In November, he could like win this tournament, like something like that. You could he see a bit far farther ahead because Djokovic doesn't have the health issues that Nadal yeah. has. So like for Nadal, it's like, is is he going to hold like for five sets in this match? Is he going to be able to play the next match? Like what's going to happen today? What's going to happen tomorrow? <laughs> so like it's every every tournament is like its whole saga and in it's in, in itself. Yeah, um,
1: and then and then you had those obviously you had people some well respected people. I was quite surprised uh, the number of people that thought you know fritz should have played the semi yeah. and they, they sort of were like well we have lucky losers in qualifying and and i'm like you know i was thinking to myself but you know that's qualifying and that's to get that's like to get one spot in the main draw yeah and that's for players you know ranked over 104 in the world who are like just vying for one one place to compete but if you lose a quarterfinal and then you're back playing a semi-final that just doesn't feel right at all no, and then yeah. you had fritz himself weighing in on the issue and being like you know if i didn't beat i didn't beat him and i had my chances i don't deserve to to play so i think he he sort of ended it right there himself which was
0: i think that's not actually his account i, I hear like uh, apparently it was like a fake
1: <laughs> oh it was i mean i i thought it was him because yeah. he, I, I saw it on his instagram and then
0: uh it might have been just on instagram then uh, i think uh, people just like mistaken and, and it on people twitter, sort of
1: yeah. screenshotted it and then they put it on twitter i guess yeah i guess yeah, that makes but, sense uh, yeah because like you know people were tagging him and they were like you know you know you should be playing the semifinal, and you know
0: i feel like it's i i will always remember as a kid and that's like from obviously like a different type of competitor as like me of like an amateur like i wish i could have become a pro but i didn't but like to a professional um but as a kid i i had a judo tournament and i lost um my uh my match my fight i guess is how you'd say it but like um and I, I was like six and they gave me a medal and I, I never felt so humiliated in my life because it's like, I I can only imagine like Fritz like being like at Wimbledon is like, sure. But like, imagine like at the end of this tournament, you lift that trophy and you're like, but I lost in the middle of it. Like, I don't, it would never have felt right. Like, I don't think it no. would, be, as, a, as a competitor, I feel like I would be crying, like in the sense like.
1: Like, I don't believe in s yeah. ever. But if that actually happened I'd, I'd make that an asterisk.
0: Absolutely. That, that would that would be a that doesn't little sit ridiculous right with me at all. Yeah.
1: Right. I, I mean this only works in like uh the Olympics when you have like yeah. the bronze medal match or like the ATP Yeah, exactly. Match, I guess, which is like round robin yeah. which is a like special case. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But like a bronze medal is just a different type of thing, right? You don't yeah. win the tournament, you win third place. So yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So uh, there was all of that which is uh which turned into this whole city debate but nonetheless uh it was uh, we didn't have the Kyrgios uh, Nadal semifinal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then and then obviously then you had Sinner going up two sets of love on Djokovic, and really uh, Djokovic actually led four one in the first set, and then he played a really bad game and kind of allowed Sinner to get back into it, and then Sinner played Sinner took that momentum that he got from the first set and just played spectacular. Yeah, like he was pushing Djokovic around the court. He was getting free points on his serve, which is really hard for him to do, but he managed to do it with a great spot serving. And you felt like Djokovic was sort of conserving his energy, you know, kind of buying his time, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, took a bit of a break after the second set and then just started serving so much better. And just, I think he made, I think in the last three sets he won 45 out of 49 for serve points. That is insane in three sets of tennis. Yeah. To where it was never close after the first two sets. And yeah. Never it never felt it, like Sinner had a chance.
0: It almost feels like it, it was very similar to the Tsitsipas match everyone the got Sitsipas out last Paz year. The match yeah.
1: and the Musetti match. It was identical to those two matches.
0: Yeah. Just... The, the, the difference about the Musetti match is that Musetti ended up being like injured. So like yeah, it's a little bit of had, a caveat. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The Tsitsipas match is a great comparison. Though. Yeah. Like, that's what it reminded me
0: of. The Tsitsipas match that was the one like, not to come back to like 2021 but like the one thing is like Tzipras ended up mounting like a pretty decent, um, almost comeback at the very, very end of the match. Like, yeah, he
1: managed to he managed to get it to deuce in the last game and kept, yeah. kept it to just one break, so it was it was respectable. Like, yeah. it was, you know, you felt like maybe if Djokovic didn't play his best, he couldn't won yeah. the all. Yeah, then you never know.
0: Yeah, and then we have on the other side of the tournament, we have the women's. Uh, the women's champion, Elena Rybakina, who's from Kazakhstan and not Russia.
1: Yeah, by uh, the way, just before yeah. we go to the men's, I do want to give a shout out to Cam Nori because he... Bet, oh he yeah, the,
0: actually, absolutely. Went, Let's go.
1: He went past the third round for the first time in the major and he's not had the best luck when it comes to draws. Like he's always drawn Nadal or Federer or he drew Alcaraz at the US Open last year. That's a bad draw in the first round. Um, And then, yeah, I think he lost to Federer at the at Wimbledon and then he lost to Nadal at the Australian Open and Roland Garros and those were all third round matches. Mm-hmm. And this year he lost to Hachinov in the third round, I guess somewhat more winnable. But nonetheless, for him to get past this barrier and get to the third round and make a semifinal a little bit, it's a pretty big achievement. for Yeah. Him. And,
0: and he plays super well against finals. Djokovic too.
1: Yeah, he did. And he, he bothered Djokovic for a set and made uh, rattled him a little bit, You know, kept the ball extremely low. And Djokovic just couldn't get a quite a good read on it because obviously his backhand is stays so low and it's barely a yeah. back swing and it's extremely flat. But then his forehand is more conventional, loopy, clay court type forehand. So it's like such a big discrepancy between the two ground strokes. And obviously he can run forever. He makes a lot of balls back. He he has the whites. He has improved his serve quite a bit. And he just competes really, really hard. Like it's tough to put him away. Yeah. Like he's able to, you know, just make matches a dogfight and then he's able to win. Like his quarterfinal against David Goffin, he won 75 in the fifth. And it was just sheer will. He wasn't even playing his best tennis most of the time, but. He just found a way. He kept, he kept uh, go fan guessing, and he dragged a dragged the match out. And he got a lot of unforced errors, and he was serving really well in big moments. And just just really good to see from him because he had the home crowd behind him, and it yeah. just felt like a result like this was due, like it was coming.
2: Yeah, for so, sure, uh,
1: for sure. So yeah, well done to Cam Nori, and he he really uh, like it sucks for him that there's no ranking points because right now he'd be number eight in the world.
0: Yeah, you'd have been, yeah. uh, you'd have so, been good for him. Yeah.
1: So, but you know that's how it is for everyone. It's like they never played this tournament, which is you know <laughs> how, to, how it is.
0: Yeah, it, it's crazy because he enters the the history books, but it doesn't enter the week to week ATP Christ. book. So yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a shame that uh, they decided to uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, um, forego the ranking for, points.
1: Good tournament for David Goffin. Also, he beat Tiafo and he managed to like. It's good to see him back playing well because he's had some of the worst injury luck
2: like whatever yeah, possible
1: true. he just he was in his prime and then i remember he uh he was playing against Dimitrov in 2018 and then he just like the ball just hit his eye and then he was gone for like a uh, year <laughs> yeah and then he he tripped over the tarp on the back of the court at the french open that year and then he just like all of his momentum every time he's played well all of his momentum is just gone by a, a crazy freak injury that he can never control yeah and he for sort of restart his momentum all over again it was a great effort for him to get to the quarters with yeah. uh, a really good match against Tiafo in the fourth round, and you know, uh, could have gone either way against Nori. Like just few points decided it, and then also Christian Garin making the quarters, I guess, is a is a, is great for him. I didn't expect him to beat Alex tumanor That was a great win from two yeah,
2: sets for down. sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, and then yeah. Ryland Nakashima, like you mentioned, uh, him uh, uh, beating Denis Shapovalov. I think that's the best win of his career for sure in a major yeah. to beat Shapovalov in four sets. It was a, quite a tight fourth set tiebreak as well, and he he held it together and. You know, his backhand was doing some serious damage in that match. So uh, yeah. it was a tough draw for Shepovalov who had never faced Nakashima before and uh it was gonna be a difficult matchup.
0: Yeah, for sure. <coughs> Especially like with his uh previous history this year wasn't really good coming yeah. into he,
1: he had no confidence coming in. Yeah. But you know, Shapovalov can turn it around like he's done yeah. in the past. Yeah, for sure. But uh yeah, and then the other the other thing I wanted to ask you about is um there were two other players that I really expected to go deep. Like they were doing really well in grass court tournaments. And they, you know, like Herkac, for example, he'd won Holly, And he just had a really tough first round against Alejandro Davidovich fukina I remember watching that match and being like, this is a really tough first round, like on paper. And everyone was expecting Herkac to win and went to this. They had they had like this crazy match with like Fukina going up two sets to love. And then he served for the third set. And he had three match points on his yeah. serve. And then, you know, Herkac, like, breaks him. And then they have, like, this rain delay. And then it gets to a fifth set. And then twice, Hercotch is up in the fifth set. And then he's up, like, 7-4 in the super tie break as well at 6 all, Because they have the 10-point tiebreak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Fokina ends up winning. And it's just, like, you know, Herkac was another one. We were, we were all expecting to go deep. Then you have the withdrawals of, like, Berrettini and Chillage and RBA. And those three guys, it was... It was a real bummer for all of you. Yeah, games.
0: I guess, but for me, like the by far the worst. And you
1: had the Felix Felix the against Tracy.
0: That was just bad oh. luck.
1: The worst draw you could possibly ask for. Yeah. I still maintain he had the worst because it's anyone
0: in the first. You round. got a guy who like serving volleys and he serves really well on the first day because it's like that's yeah. when the grass is like as good as he can can get. And mind you, they were he was already a little bit worn out, but it was still like. Really good grass, yeah. So, yeah,
1: and it was that just came down really to tough and a full enforcer by Felix, and this really good, like seven body plays, and just like the the worst kind of opponent. So, he gives you no rhythm, and like it was just a match, Felix just had to get through, yeah. Like, there was just no way around this,
0: time. and he didn't, unfortunately. But, yeah, like, I feel like the, by far the worst loss of this tournament was Verratini. Yeah. It, the way he was playing on grass, um one two two tires in back to back. Right after um, hand
1: surgery too. After right hand, hand,
0: hand surgery. Hand. Like it, he was he was due to like reach at least uh, I at mean at least the semis. Yeah, at least the semis. I was going to say yeah. quarterfinals but like still like semis it's definitely not past him so. Yeah. Such so from, a, that, from that standpoint, that sure. at
1: drawing I'm like I'm not that surprised that he got to the final. Mm-hmm. Because you know Yeah, he
0: kind, kind of opened up a bit.
1: Yeah, and you know, Sipas obviously is a favorable uh, matchup for him. Like if there's any opponent in surface, he'd he'd take the, he'd take that just because of Sitsipas's, you know, known weaknesses. And, yeah, his yeah. known weaknesses. And you know, even that was a really close match and could have won either way. And yeah. it was I was, you know, quite a circus that match. I, I guess we don't we don't need to revisit that.
0: No, yeah. <laughs> and we got in that full episode just about
1: <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. See, see the body serve for that for that match because they, they did a really good job like covering yeah. it. Nice. Yes, it, was, it was quite a circus.
0: Yeah. But yeah,
1: we can move on to the WTA now.
0: Yeah, let's go. Cool. Um <coughs> what stands out to you like in the WTA this year? Like what do you think?
1: Well I uh you know coming into the tournament um I have to say Ans Jabor has been really mm-hmm. really consistent ever since she made the Charleston final. Like she made mm-hmm. the Charleston final. She then goes and wins Madrid and then she's she's down in a lot of her matches in Rome and she comes back and gets to the final on sheer confidence alone, like not even playing her best. And then she, she suffers a really tough first round defeat at the French open up a set and a break in the first round. And you're thinking that's so crushing for her. Like she was the second favorite to win this thing after she She was playing that well. And then, but I actually remember thinking, you know, this is a good loss for her at the time because grass is actually what suits her the best with her, you know, slices and drop shots and her variety and, just uh you know how how her game is uh the unpredictability of it the the um the crafty uh, yeah it's like
0: the, just the creative that creative shots like she can produce, yeah and, like and also and also she can, hit, as she can well. also
1: really hit big shots as well like she's a good yeah. spot server and she can yeah. like flatten out her backhand or forehand and she she really thinks out there she has good acumen i'd say strategic acumen yeah. And and then she goes and wins Birmingham and she plays the mixed doubles with Serena. So you're thinking everything is shaping up for her. Her draw is good too. Like, you know, out of her and Ravakina, she definitely had the friendlier path to get to the final. Her toughest opponent was at Mertens who was very consistent herself, but someone you'd expect Ons to beat. Yeah. So it was, uh, you know, she gets to the final she plays Tatiana Maria in the semis who had a great tournament herself. That was a really nice story as well. She's 34 years old. She'd never been past the third round of a major. She has she's come back after two kids, yeah. Uh, very like inspiring story, and apparently she and Oz are like best friends. And
2: mm. she
1: threw um she's like neighbors with Serena and Venus, and Serena <laughs> and Venus threw her a baby shower. Like it was, uh, you know, some some good storylines. And she beat uh, Tatiana Maria, she beat Sakari, and she beat Ostapenko. So two really good wins on the way. Yeah, to the final. And so you're thinking, okay, that's a good, great tournament. Jabor's is in the final, and then now in the other half you had um you you had obviously the shviontech uh thing with she was on a 35 match winning streak and she hadn't played on grass leading up to wimbledon and you you felt like okay she's the favorite coming into this wimbledon but not by a lot like uh, you you'd pick the field over her yeah that, that was kind of the feeling right and uh, you know she runs into a really crafty player in cornet who's been there experience she's had big results before she beat serena in 2014 at wimbledon and just, I never felt like Svante was going to win this tournament. I watched her play. No, her. yeah.
0: I don't think anybody really had any confi- confidence that this she was streak was going to
1: win. Her best, her kick serve, which works so well on clay and hard courts, was just sitting up and she was having to defend a lot on it. And
2: yeah. her
1: timing wasn't there. And she said it just wasn't happening for me in practice. So it didn't quite happen for her in the match itself. Against coordination, she was up two love in the second set and 40-15. And the match just completely went away from her. It was probably the worst set of tennis I've ever seen her play, <laughs> mm. but it was expected because I mean, Cornet was crushing her second serve and she was eventually it was going to happen. Like she was going to beat herself. It was, you can't like, what she did was absolutely extraordinary. 37 match wins in a row, six titles. Like I've not seen domination like that on the WTA in a long, long time. So she can be extremely proud of herself. And absolutely. She'll, she'll be absolutely be a factor. She'll yeah. absolutely, like if she wins her next two or three matches on the hard courts, like she's probably the favorite for the US Open honestly yeah so like for her you know this is this is not a bad loss like so you, yeah. uh, you know her Yeah, wins it,
0: it. especially cuz like i mean yeah she's she's a great player but i feel like on grass as you said like it's not as is not her her best surface uh maybe she's going to oh. get to it and i feel like she 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 can um become really good like she yeah like her, i feel like you know, in
1: 4 or 5 years we could be talking about her like getting to the semis and finals or even winning Wimbledon like it's really yeah. realistic
0: yeah maybe even shorter than that, like I would say like maybe two years, like you could definitely see that like coming yeah. to fruition, but like yeah, yeah especially maybe if she
1: in... plays some warm ups before getting in, before
0: yeah, but just, I think she was injured uh, as well, right? like before yeah. like she actually I think she withdrew from a tournament before going into yeah, she had
1: yeah. she had some shoulder issues and it was yeah. very understandable. she was on a long, long run, so yeah. I didn't expect her to play anything
0: for sure, yeah, so yeah, like a lot of people are just picking Wimbledon for for her to lose, um yeah. again, like so yeah, like it was just a matter of like every match was like what's going to happen now it wasn't necessarily like before in other in other tournaments in which was like is is this match is in this match is Juventai going to lose a set <laughs> so like yeah we're, we're almost we're expecting her to like cruise through every match but like at Wimbledon was like is she going to win this match it, it, was, it became a lot more of a doubt like whether she could get through um the later rounds like coming I mean, like to third fourth round of wimbledon was going to be like eh, it was a little bit rougher <laughs> at that point on but yeah
1: yeah and then and then i thought it was a good run by simona help to get to the semis yeah totally uh, you know she had uh she'd had she had some good form after the french open she'd won a lot of matches leading into wimbledon and then uh yeah but then what kind of perplexed me was her performance in the semifinal. hmm because um, obviously, you know, we know that she's uh, more of a counterpuncher. She's aggressive and her game suits the grass well. She moves really well on the grass. Like, I still I still can't get out of my head the match that she played in 2019 in the final against Serena. Like, yeah. three on four stairs. I'm sorry, but three on four stairs is just ridiculous. It's like, like the
0: match of the, that match of the decade. Like,
1: <laughs> that is like perfection. Like, she's never going to top that ever in her career. So, obviously, that's a really high bar. But then, you know, she had like cru- cruised through the, through the semis, like, not dropped a set. And then she faced her first real test in uh, in Rubakina. and but she I couldn't like, overcome Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and she just, the thing is, it's not even that she played very poorly from the back of the court. She just had a terrible serving day. She had nine double faults. Yeah. And won just like 35% of her second serve points. So like almost more than two games were just like three points for Rubakina. And I just felt like, man, she's going to be disappointed with that. But yeah. Rubakina, on the other hand, played a superb match, very clean from the back of the court. This is someone who a lot of the people on Twitter that I were following that followed WT really closely were picking her to do extremely well. And I gotta say, uh, she uh, she really belongs. Like she absolutely deserved mm-hmm. on this. She was very impressive the whole tournament. Yeah. Um
0: She has like that that um Petra kavitova like esque um vibe to yeah, her. Like she's really like tall, a, really it's like big. A serve. Kvitova. That's yeah. such a good
1: comparison, actually. Yeah. It's like really big serve, really big ground strokes.
2: Yeah. Uh
1: really cool, common collected. Yeah. Um, like moves pretty well for her height. She's six. Exactly. Yeah. And what she a what a a, do a little bit of everything.
0: What a comeback from her, like to be back on the love 40, I think, was like two, three or three, two. Um yeah,
1: um, like she goes, she she goes and loses the first set, and she's, you know, Jabor has her flummox with all her variety and her drop shots and at first, I was like, oh, this is like Jabor can just bring her to the net and she'll she'll have a good day because Rubakina, you know, still not very super comfortable at the net, like chasing those drop shots down. And she wasn't returning Jabor's serve extremely well either. Mm-hmm. So, like, Jabor was having a, a, uh, a good time, like, just kind of toying with her, like, for the first set. I, I didn't even feel like she, Rubakina was, like, that nervous. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, she was still, like, in the match. She was still holding. You still felt like if she... So the 6-3 set, goal, right? Yeah, it was a 6-3 set, and she got broken at 3-5, like, serving to stay in the set. But then she played two awesome sets after that. Like, like then suddenly all those things that Jabor was doing, you you felt like Jabor was the one who panicked a little bit, and her shot selection went a little bit awry. She started overusing the drop shot. She started getting visibly very, very nervous on the court. Her forehand, which was such a good shot in the first set, just completely deserted her for the rest of the match. And then you had Rabakina playing really, really strong, like like Jabor was just on her back foot, basically reacting for the entirety of the second set because Rabakina was getting Rubakina was just overpowering her. Like it was yeah, there was nothing really much Jabor could do about it. Yeah. But then the key game, like you pointed out, was in the third set at three, two left 40.
2: Yeah.
1: Where that surge that she had to win the next five points mm-hmm. with like some really strong hitting, like pushing Jabor into the corners, like hitting yeah. deep, fast shots on her forehand. And she even won a cat and mouse point that you'd expect Jabor to win and finish with a drop shot that Jabor just barely had wide.
2: Yeah,
1: um, And then and then, and then, then she also hit a really nice touch volley as well. So I'm like, wait, she went from like not being able to volley and being a sitting duck at the net in the first set to like anticipating all of these drop shots, and like showing really good touch and hands the net. I was yeah. like that yeah. mid-match adjustment, that mid-match thinking that Rabak and I did under that kind of pressure was so impressive to me because like suddenly it looked like she can play at the net in volley. <laughs> and volley. Yeah. and Like she can, she can uh, like, just take the racket out of Jabor's hand and there's yeah. not much it's, to do. Anyway. Yeah. It,
0: it's the so, type it's, of player that like, if you, you really, you really want to <laughs> um, make sure that you don't, don't handle them too much. And like, if they get momentum, it's it's to just, it just become extremely dangerous because the match can get away from you so quickly, which it did against Jabbar. Um The thing that Jabbar, I think she she could, I think Jabbar can definitely like um, hit better a little bit than she did, especially like in the third set. Like she she missed it. She missed a couple shots that she can normally make, but that's a very Jabbar kind of thing to to be in a sense. Like she's obviously gotten so much better. Is world number two right now for? Yeah. a very good Ooh. reason, Wimbledon finalist, but, like, she she has a bit of more propensity to beat herself up. Like, Jabara, like, has um, a way of, like, making her life a bit too difficult at times. And I think that kind of comes, like, when a player is just so good, has so many options that it just kind of can become a little confused. Like, and if her mind gets a bit foggy, it's it, it's hard. So it's a, a bit of a combination of those <laughs> two. But I think definitely, like, credited Rebakina, who definitely, like, caused Jabbar to like play not as good as well like towards at the end because there was just not much like Rubakna was very nearly unplayable at the end.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Like about especially about the options because she has so many shots at her disposal. Like it's very easy in that situation to just pick the wrong shot or just go with the because once you commit to the shot, like you can't go back from it. Exactly. (laughs) So it's like it's like you just like if I decide I'm just going to hit like a high drop shot return here. Like I have to stick to it because like that's like I've committed to that now, and now I just have to see the point through. And like, yeah, like you know, there's times where I feel like she beats herself up, but then I also feel like she reins it back in, and then she can win the set as well. Like she's 13 and she won 13 matches this year, in a third set. Like Mm she a lot of three setters. Yeah. Like from breaks down and like double breaks down and like, uh, like she's. She's very experienced in these kind of roller coaster matches, but when she didn't break back for three all, yeah, I just knew it was over.
0: Cause yeah, for sure. Yeah, it would have it would have been like a really, really tough mental task to overcome to still get back into it and break. But she obviously she did great. I think, um,
1: and and she's such yeah. a likable player too. Like exactly. she's just yeah. such a good person. Like I, you know, I listened to her press conference after the final. And she just lost probably, this is like the toughest loss of her career. And she comes out, she's like joking with the press, like laughter and just like imbibing a lot of positivity Mm -hmm. and just like, you know, taking all the positives over two weeks and just like, you know, making everyone's day in the press conference. And just like, because what she's doing is actually like very, very special. Like she's the first Arab woman to do like everything. And first, uh, you know, first African woman, first Muslim woman, like she's breaking a lot of barriers. Yeah, And her parents, you know, couldn't even come and watch her play because they didn't have a visa. Visas. They didn't have a visa. And like, you know, by the way, if you ever want to learn more about Jabor, like the best person to follow is Reem Lil on Twitter.
0: Yeah, totally. She's,
1: she's absolutely been covering Jabor like ever since before Jabor was even known, like over 10 years. And like, it's so great to see a player like her doing well because like her game is so fun to watch. Her personality, everyone just seems to love her. Like, On the tour, like, no one yeah. has a bad thing ever to say about her.
0: Yeah, she's just really funny. Like, I remember last year, like, when she uh, contave was just winning stuff, and like, she was like, Oh crap, <laughs> yeah, do you want my dress for the for the gala <laughs> for the WTA finals? It was really funny,
1: yeah, yeah like, really well spoken too. Like, she made a joke on Boris Johnson in the press conference, which was kind of funny. She's like, And then the, you know, everyone in the press room was calling her the minister of happiness, like, that was kind of her nickname throughout this whole two weeks and like you could you know you could totally see that and i feel like she's getting close now she can actually win a major
0: yeah i think so too yeah like
1: i see it in her now like you know know, i wasn't sure about it like six months or ten months ago but like i feel like she can win one she'll win one yeah
0: i definitely think that she she could do it um on clay or grass i feel i feel like i think she can do it on anything yeah
1: yeah i I think probably grass is her best chance yeah uh, and, and then clay as well but
0: because yeah, clearly, obviously, there's an yeah. obstacle of Fiante, but like, of course, like anything can happen. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, um, if true. if she remains number two, like she obviously is going to be like on the other half of the draw. Uh, yeah. So you know, like Fiante could lose. Like it's not like she's going to. Well, playing <laughs> Nadal is is it's not that easy. You know, <laughs> it's not. Yeah. No wonder, like nobody has won like more than ten Grand Slams or anything. Uh, yeah. Just him. So yeah.
1: I, I feel like a lot of it depends on the draw because. Best of three, and you can just yeah, or like she could have run into freaking I don't know carolina Mukhova or Serena Williams in the first round. Then you never know. Like it's
0: yeah, carolina yeah. is definitely like a player that bad luck, a lot of bad luck, but also yeah, so many round first round matches. Like oh, like you just don't want to see her against that player. It's like yeah. By the way,
1: another another yeah. event where like Bianca and Raskul loses to either the finalist or the champion.
0: Yeah. It's such a it, it, that is definitely round. bad luck.
1: Yeah, second round it was a good match though. It was like two tight sets. Yeah. It was
0: then, really good. And,
1: yeah, and then like, you know, yeah, the- Bianca
0: the- Bianca's time is is coming again. She's that, she's definitely coming back up in the rankings. She's playing yeah. well. She's she wants it. She feels she's uh her words, she's feeling really good. So I felt like I feel like um the future is bright for her. I feel like she's going to be able she's to just- get back into um the elite of the game again so yeah. she looks
1: really happy now like yeah. in a long time like i think she you know before her everything was about tennis for her mm-hmm. and then with all her injuries i think like her perspective has changed now maybe yeah. like she i think she's just happy like tennis is not everything for her like it mm-hmm. used to be like all about her results but now it's like i think she's just happy she has like really good people around her and she's she yep. even released a book called bb's gun game yeah <laughs> and she's like yeah, she just she just seems like a lot more fulfilled, and she has all the right people around her, and feels like she's getting her game back. But also, like not putting too much pressure on herself. Like she knows it's going to take time, and she I think it's coming for her. Like this hardcore season, this US mm-hmm. stretch, yeah. I because you're making a really deep run.
0: Yeah, same. And I'm hoping for it. So yeah, we'll we'll hope for uh, for good things in Baby's career in the future. And definitely, she's definitely going to love to be back on hard courts. I'm pretty sure that she's excited about this because I think before um, with this Wimbledon, I don't think she's ever been, I don't think she's never played a match on grass before. Uh, Actually not Wimbledon, but like the match before on the, in Eastbourne, where he lost in the final to um, Carolina Garcia. She
1: lost to Garcia in the final. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was a good run. Actually. She lost in, it was bad on I think. Yeah, a board. Board. Yeah, bad on board, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She actually led by a set in a break. She was upset. She did. Or two. I mean, it's okay. Like, it's Garcia on grass is good, I guess. Garcia yeah. Garcia also made kind of a deepish run at Wimbledon, got to the fourth yeah. round, uh, beat Emma Raducanu. <laughs> beat Raducanu, yeah. yeah. That's a tough draw for Raducanu, honestly.
0: Yeah, Raducanu is definitely on a tough uh, year in general. So, yeah. I was just...
1: impressed that she won her first round, actually, against mm. Allison Vijnaldweinck. Mm-hmm. That was uh that was I wasn't expecting her, I actually had
0: her losing in the first round. Mm-hmm. So that- although like when you watch that match, like you definitely see that of has a lot more game though. So like yeah. it, if it it was just probably a good day for her. Uh, yeah. she probably found found her shots a lot better. Um so yeah. I think for me personally, I think Radu Kano has to get a little bit more aggressive, like with her shots. I think she's she's become a little too passive like over the years. And I definitely noticed over, that not over the years, like, over the months. So yeah. I feel like her forehand is a little too loopy. I think she—the one thing that like in the U.S. Open run that I remember so well is like from pretty much anywhere on the court, any height, she could just like rip that forehand and just like yeah. rip for a winner. And like I haven't seen that lately. She's <laughs> no, definitely yeah. going for a little bit more consistency, but like she's she's gonna find the balance. I think like she's she's trying to figure it out a little
1: bit of a power deficit. Yeah, Gar- Garcia, like her ball wasn't really hitting through the court. Yeah. Scary. It was kind of just sitting up for Garcia to attack. And uh, she was, like, having to defend a lot. Which, yeah.
0: Uh, for sure, yeah. And, you know, don't really want to be doing that. So, yeah. Especially on grass.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, who else really made a deep run? I guess Anissa Mova has been doing well. of mm-hmm. quarters. Uh, beat, uh, had a good match against Coco Golf in the third round. Yeah. Yeah. She's I been, she's been it, quite yeah. consistent this year in the majors, hasn't she? Fourth round and the australian fourth round at the french and then quarters here second week all three that's pretty good
2: yep. yeah
1: yeah I'm trying to think who else yeah you had some good runs by some people we weren't expecting like tatiana maria buskova yeah uh players like that
0: You was this section
1: opportunity for ostapenko
0: yeah
1: opportunity for ostapenko missed opportunity for sakari
0: i guess zachary like on grass is she's doesn't really impress me all that much i feel like for for zachary definitely like clear uh, yeah. yeah. heart uh lower hard courts like i think that's where she has her biggest uh opportunities but yeah
1: yeah i felt that way too
0: definitely feel like that her yeah. biggest uh, missed opportunity was um, i still feel
1: like it's so mental with her uh, yeah 100 percent, totally she had um she had Tatiana Maria on the ropes in the second round. And in the second set, she had a break point for 5-1 and she ended up losing the set 7-5. Like, it's... So rough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, I think she she just kind of, like, thinks in her, in her mind that things just go out of control a lot more than... It just kind of blows out of proportion, like, how bad the situation is.
1: I almost feel like she wants too bad sometimes.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. I can definitely feel it, though. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh. But, uh, you know,
0: never different. easy, never actually easy to lead in a match. It's closing out a match is harder than lots of us think.
1: Oh yeah. You can really see it when she tightens up and she's you really feel for her actually in those moments. Cause yeah. she's, uh, just, just trying to get over the line. Mm-hmm. Just can't quite do it yet. But.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, I guess that covers it. And uh, as I said, um, yeah, before we came back to uh, Wimbledon uh, men's um, Rabakina plays for Kazakhstan. So let's not take <clears throat> that victory from Kazakhstan. I mean, and I, I'm going to say, how oh, just because she was born and raised in Russia. But like, here's the thing. I was born and raised in Brazil, but now I live in Canada and mm. I am Canadian. So it's like, it's, what are you going to do? Like, I mean, it's, it's who she represents. If one day she ends up like renouncing her citizenship, that's that's so totally um her problem that's her thing but like now she is representing Kazakhstan she has been doing so I think for four years now yeah. so yeah it, it's Kazakhstans like it's not it's yeah, not she had,
1: she had very very valid reasons I think to uh, switch to Kazakhstan because more funding more support
0: yeah uh, totally
1: better, better uh support system in play for her to achieve what she wanted to do finances like it's such a big part she wasn't in the top 200 when she she made that switch and it was just like it was just like a necessary thing for her now she she feels happy like she's played davis cup in it not davis cup fed cup or what, yeah king cup um for kazakhstan and she's like like you said four years like yeah sure she was born and raised there and she still lives there her parents are from there but she's she's kazakhstan now like that's her nationality and i i just didn't like the insistence of it like over and over like she got asked a bunch and like she was asked to like denounce putin mm-hmm. in press conference and yeah she handled those questions with such class like every time yeah she she just um you know gave like buttoned up responses and very like firm like i'm just i play for kazakhstan that's it
2: yeah like, and
1: i'm not going to comment on the other stuff so exactly yeah it, it became such a big story but I, I guess i could kind of see the irony you know in it like you know okay yeah I read born it, it, in Russia one, but yeah, you know, it definitely feels Russia, a little being funny. Born, but... <laughs> being born and brought up there is very different from what you identify with. So yeah. If she identifies with Kazakhstan, that's you
0: know. that's where she is now. So yeah, yeah, respect that.
1: That's her choice. And she's not the only one. Like I, I know Bublik yeah. is Russian and he plays for Kazakhstan as well. And yeah. I'm sure it's very common in uh, other uh other situations, like you know. Even Mikhail Kukushkin also Osaka.
0: is a Russian plays for Kazakhstan the for the Osaka longest time.
1: It's like Haitian and US and Japanese. Like she always asks, she always uh she's someone who is uh, definitely brought up the question of nationality quite a bit. Yeah in, in her game and tennis. And she chose yeah. to play for Japan and you know she's happy with it. The actually.
0: worst part about all of this is that like a lot of people in the US are mad that like she lives in the US, but plays for Japan it's like who are you? <laughs> like, yeah.
1: Like, you, just let her be, you know?
0: You don't have a say in this. <laughs> yeah. Let so, her do yeah. what she wants. Yeah. <laughs> she, she can live wherever she, she can. Like, it's a, so long as she can have like the residency, like, it's whatever yeah, is her it's problem.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah,
0: I guess that covers it, right? Where this year's Wimbledon. Again, sadly, no point toward it, but, um, the history books have been written, and Djokovic is a 21-time Grand Slam champion, and Rybakina is the first player from Kazakhstan ever to win a Grand Slam. So, yeah, that's where we at.
1: Absolutely, and now we just wait and see what happens in the hardcore season, and um, yeah, just go from there. Mm-hmm. I guess we, I guess we also have all this, all these clay tournaments now, but. <laughs> <laughs> which we're always like, why this time of the year? But you know.
0: every time this year is like, what's that? What's next now? Is like it's Canada, right? It's like Hamburg on clay. What? Yeah, a five like hundred. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: and then you know we still have Newport, I guess. Which um, yeah is is it like one grass court tournament where Felix
0: and Andy Murray are playing?
1: Yeah. So so we have some good fields, and then in the clay court tournaments you have like Rublev and Casper rude Stanford Brinko played his match today. Team is yeah. back and
0: we, win a match that's great. Yeah.
1: Yeah, first match that he's won in 14 yeah. months. So it's a really big boost.
0: So yeah. Right now it's basically the chill part of the uh, the seasons, yeah. like the decompressing after a Grand Slam. So yeah. Enjoy so the the chill tense. Take,
1: take a break. Uh you know, now that Wimbledon is settled, then it's over. And just uh yeah, we'll be back with more uh Steve yeah. Frank episode coming up soon as well. So
0: yeah.
1: Great to
2: that.
0: All right. See you, see you next time, and, Uh Thanks for listening again. Sorry for the, for the, um, yeah, just for the overall silence. <laughs> so yeah, we will definitely be back. Owen will be back um, and we will be recording a lot more episodes. In the meantime, we can follow Varsh at Manfutk, Owen is at TennisNation, um, I'm at uh, Rollenberg Andre and Tennis and Bagels at Tennis and Bagels. Um, Pay attention to the um, fake accounts um, There exist. And unfortunately, our account, was very, which is very small, um, would not be able to get verified anytime soon. So <laughs> we're just going to have to um, be calling out the fakes for this moment on. So, yeah, uh, we'll see you next time. And I hope you enjoyed Wimbledon and you keep enjoying tennis. Bye.
3: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row?